Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Justin Thomas and Brian Murphy. Uh, gentlemen, another Monday, another uh, week in the books for the high school baseball and softball playoffs, so let's try and make sense of it all. We are, um, let's see, we got the regional finals on tap for softball, so the round of eight. Uh, and meanwhile, baseball is in the, uh, the round of 16, the regional semifinals, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but obviously got to start um, on the softball diamond because, gentlemen, we got to say, a district rivalry rematch with a trip to uh, to state on the line. Um, this series is actually going to be a, kind of a kind of a weird format yes, for this series as far as the, the days and times and whatnot. But you have a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday at Prosper will be the site of Little Elm versus the Colony. So the top two teams in District Eight Five A, yeah. Best two out of three, and one of them's going to state. Mm-hmm. I think when the playoffs started, there was um, maybe an expectation, at least among y'all, that uh, this could very well be where we're uh, where we're at with five rounds in the uh, in the books. So, nevertheless, um, yeah, let's let's just kind of start and just uh, wherever you guys want to begin with um, with Little Elm, the Colony. Um, how are you guys feeling about this series? Pretty excited. Should yeah. be a good one. I remember we talked about it on the podcast last week. I was like, man, I know a lot of chips. Or it was like two weeks ago. I was like, I know a lot of chips got to fall in the right places, but you know, we could get this. If just look at that rivalry in general. Like, not even just softball, but like Little Elm and the Colony. It's yeah, it's a friendly rivalry, but those two schools kind of hate each other at the same yeah. time. You just look at like basketball. And, oh God, yeah, and those basketball games oh were so intense. <laughs> yes, it was. You know, it, especially since it was so competitive, and mm-hmm. you know, and. Another thing, this year, in prior seasons, the Colony had kind of beaten up on Little Elm on the softball mm-hmm. field pretty good. You know, they are beating up on everyone, which they still are this year, but those games this year were a little more competitive. You know, They were very competitive. Yeah, what was it? The first game was 3-1 to one or something like that? The first game was 1-0. to zero. One to zero, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. So the second game was five to two, but Little Elm was winning two to zero until like the fifth inning, and then I think the Colony got one, one, and then three to take the lead in the seventh. So they yeah. were both very good games. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's not like you know Little Elm's this you know little sister this year just getting mm-hmm. rolled over, you know, like they have been in years past. I mean, it, it's I, it should be a good. Good series. There definitely exists, though, that, I guess, that stigma, though, just when you look at these two and the colony and all that they've accomplished in recent years versus a team like Little Elm, which is trying to get to that level and trying to prove that it, it belongs in that, uh, in that same company. And it's one thing in the regular season, but obviously in the playoffs where the colony has, you know, a little bit more, a uh, little bit more to their belt as far as proven playoff track record. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a nice little proving ground series, though, for Little Elm to kind of validate the success that they've had this season. I feel like the last series they had was a proving ground. Mm-hmm. You know, they went to Lubbock to face the number five team in the state. Technically, they're ranked ahead of uh, of the colony. I think it was five or four in El Paso Chapin. 
and they beat them in a one game, mm-hmm. four to two. You know, way out in West Texas, they yeah. had to travel for that game. They jumped out on early. A problem Little Elm had been having in playoff games this year, they've been falling behind early, and then having to come back for the the heroic efforts. You know, late in games, they jumped out on them early, took a three one lead, and then rode Lauren Lucas. You know, to the end, another complete game, ten strikeout performance, only gave up two runs against a team that hadn't lost since February twenty eighth. I believe February 20th or 28th and an El Paso Chapman mm-hmm. team that was destroying everyone, you know, all season long. I, I think that was, you know, the, the statement win, you know, for, for Little on this year saying, hey, we're not just, you know, a team that just kind of won a couple series with, with some, some comebacks and, mm-hmm. you know, our, our dream season isn't just, you know, three, four rounds deep. It's, hey, we're a legit team and, you know, we can maybe give a team like the Colony a run for its money in the fifth round. Meanwhile, Justin, I'm just, what's the read on the Colony right now? Just how are they clicking heading into this uh, series? They're rolling pretty good. They're a nice 9-0 and in the playoffs. I believe I tallied up their scores. They've outscored their opponents 61-15. to and didn't really have much trouble this past weekend against Wiley, mm-hmm. um, Abilene Wiley, that is, I yeah. should say. Man, it, that kept throwing me off because I, I have the Game Changer updates on my phone now. Uh, I finally logged it in on my phone so I can get all the scores and stuff for the playoffs. And it kept popping up. It was like, uh, the Colony of Wiley. And I'm like, and I was at Wiley High School for the, the, the Prosper Rockwell series. And I was, just, I was just so confused. I was like, wait, how are they playing Wiley right now? Wiley's one of the best 6A teams. Yeah. I was like, did they just say screw it and just play? All right, we're going to play the best 5A and the best 6A. And then it, it clicked later that night. I was like, oh, they're playing Abilene Wiley. I was, it was throwing me off completely. It was a long weekend. <laughs> yeah. So they won 7-1 and 12-5. Didn't really have much trouble getting mm-hmm. past them. They had some couple standout performances. I don't know if you guys saw what Jada Coleman did the other night. <laughs> uh, oh gosh. Just a simple four for four, two doubles, a triple, a walk, three runs, two RBIs, and four mm-hmm. stolen bases. <laughs> then you had Carly Charles doing her thing. She got her win, the win in both games, and in the first game, she had seven strikeouts, only allowed three hits, and then she also went three for three with a homer and four RBIs. My so goodness. She had a pretty big series for herself, too. And then, you know, the the rest of the Colony lineup just keeps doing their thing when you look at J.C. Coleman and then what Olivia Wick and Michelle Tillipaw and Jody Duncan and even Alexis Favors, they're mm-hmm. all hitting the ball. They're all knocking in runs seemingly every game. So um, kind of a pitcher's duels, I guess, yeah. the first well, two games, but I don't know if you can necessarily count on that again, seeing each other for the third time here. What do you guys? Third, fourth, and fifth time. Yeah. Guess, so I mean, so what do you guys take away from those regular season meetings? As competitive as they were, do you feel like there's any carryover um, as far as any trends that might have surfaced there? Or just how do you guys feel like those games might apply to later this week? I don't think they factor a whole lot because I think mm. the colony already respected a little on a lot coming into the season based on their games last year yeah. that were pretty close, and then obviously two close games. In district this year, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in it. I think Little Elm's got to be feeling confident that they've hung with them multiple times, mm-hmm. and I think the colony is not going to be looking past them. You know, chalking up that second state appearance in three years up quite yet. I, don't, I think both teams are going to be ready for it, and I think it's going to be a good series. Yeah, and I mean Little Elm's been down twice in two different series this year, down one zero, mm-hmm. and they've come back. Uh, and proven that you know they can win these these big games when everything is on the line. So even if they f- lose game one to a team like the Colony, I don't think they'll be rattled and, and just crumble. But I think in in the, in those games, falling behind early, big. If if you know Jada Coleman and, and you know all those heavy hitters, those all those D one athletes on that team, you know get out you know on a big you know five six run lead early. I think Little could be in a bit of trouble um, trying to keep up in a in a. In an offensive juggernaut slugfest like yeah. that, um, mm-hmm. but if they keep it tight, and if, if Lauren Lucas is pitching like Lauren Lucas does, 
I think it can be another you know great showdown between her and Charles. This series will be uh, Game 1 Tuesday, 5 p.m. out of Prosper. Game 2 Wednesday, 5 p.m. out of Prosper. And then Game 3, if necessary, Friday at noon, also at Prosper. Strange series times. Yeah. It is what it is. So, uh, yeah, Brian, obviously a little. I'm not the only team that you still have kicking mm-hmm. around in the softball playoffs. Uh, let's shift gears and talk a little Region 2 right now. The final out there, Frisco Reedy against Mighty Forney. Reedy gets a chance to try to take down the champs. And you know what? It's a one-game playoff <laughs> Friday. Uh, you know, anything can happen mm-hmm. in these one-game playoffs. You, you know? know Reedy was the one that lobbied for that, for sure. <laughs> I don't know officially, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to think. Forney didn't want to just have a one-game against one of the hottest teams uh, in softball right now in all of 5A. You know, they're finally getting some, some recognition. Mm-hmm. They're number nine now uh, in the state. They've beaten two. Uh, they've beaten Creekview in a series. Creekview was highly ranked coming yeah. into that game. They'd only lost twice. Uh, this season, they beat them in the second round, and then they're coming off a sweep over Hallsville. And I, you know, I, I just looked at this before we came on. Reedy has not lost a playoff game yet, and I, I, that's, that was surprising me because I thought they'd maybe lost a playoff game earlier this year. Just you know, just not even really thinking about it. Lovejoy gave them their toughest test in the one gamer in the first round when they won six to five. Mm-hmm. But this team, you know, the third seed out of District Nine Five A, you know, saying a lot with you know most of their star players are sophomores. You know, you have a couple of juniors in there. Michaela Wark is just on an MVP level right now on this postseason. In two games against Hallsville, she had eight RBIs, also had two complete games in the circle as well, locking down a pretty good Hallsville team in that fourth round. And so she she's putting up some some uh, you know Lauren Lucas type numbers, some Carly Charles type numbers. You know, just absolutely doing it all on both sides of the, the plate. And really, Reedy's just clicking on all cylinders mm-hmm. right now. Just really. You know, it's like they've been here before, and they haven't. <laughs> you know, they're they're in unfamiliar territory. You know, making it this far uh, in the playoffs, and here they are in the fifth round, still kicking. How do you approach a game like this though I against a forty? The no team that is, I mean, uh, they are. I don't know if they are ranked number one in the state or if Georgetown is. Or forty second. Forty's four. Four. Okay. Yeah, they have some teams from all over the place. Yeah. One through three: Angleton, Barbers Hill, and Dripping Springs. Okay. One through three. So and Georgetown's but, baseball. Yeah. So, yeah. but they have, they're supposedly the best or. According to this, the best DFW team. Mm-hmm. You're right there with you know the Colony. Yeah. Um, but man, they have a they have an ace. <laughs> one of the best aces. They have around. like the ace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw her pitch her freshman year uh, in a playoff series against Little Elm, and she was lights out then, and she's lights out now. And that team, man, is is loaded. Yeah. I, luckily for Reedy, they won the flip or whatever they decided yeah. to do, and got the one game playoff. Anything can happen in a one game. Reedy's really hot right now. You know if you. Hey, if they win that game, man, they're they're rolling the state. Yeah, I mean, because you just you look at what Forney's done up to this point. And, you know, they're averaging seven point one war, uh, runs per playoff game. They've scored in double digits in six of their nine games. Ironically enough, like their second round matchup against yeah. Texas High, like Texas High looking really good now in hindsight. That um, they actually took a game off Forney and were able to drag that out to three games. Really low scoring series, at least relative to what you'd expect out of Forney. Um, you know, but it, it's just it's so hard to score runs against this Forney mm-hmm. team right now. No team is scoring more than two against them in the playoffs. I mean, they're just coming off a, a regional semifinal against McKinney North that they just, just brush, brush McKinney North side. That's mm-hmm. a little two-game two McKinney, game run, a little sweep. McKinney North brushed Independence yeah. to the side. Independence finished ahead of Reedy in the district standings in Frisco. And then they just demolished McKinney North like it was nothing. So, I don't know. Reedy's got you know their and hands you, cut And out. you look at one of the things, just looking through the box scores in that series, um, you know... Forney's going to do what it will do yeah. at the plate with Savannah DeRozier in the uh, in the circle, but McKinney North committed twelve errors in that series, 
and I think they committed only one in the series against Independence. So whether that's just a testament to the kind of pressure that yeah. uh, Forney can put on teams, just they have, I mean, they have firepower up and down the lineup, and they can, I guess, maybe put you in situations that other offenses just can't because they just don't have that collective uh, that collective firepower. But um, yes, a very very uncharacteristic defensive series for McKinney North, and you just can't make those kinds of mistakes. Well, yeah, like Forney, because if there's just the one team in Five A that'll make you pay outside of maybe the Colony, it is Forney right now because they are, you know, at least as far as DFW pro programs go at the 5A level, that's the best thing going right now. So, And granted, Reedy didn't play a team like Forney in the fourth round like McKinney North did, yeah. but Reedy's never been in this situation before. Like I said, all their players are young and you just alluded to McKinney North committing what, 12 errors yeah. in a series. Reedy committed one in two games against Hallsville in the fourth round. It seems like those young players... You know they're 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 mentally right. It's gonna know, take it's gonna take perfection essentially from yeah. Priscilla to get by in this, and that's the thing with the one game scenario. Like I saw it last year when I was covering Plano. Plano ran up against the defending state champion Keller in the fifth round. They were able to get him in a one game scenario too, and they ended up squeaking out a two one victory. Mm. So I mean it's yeah. Listen, if the if you get the perfect the perfect storm of just great defense, timely pitching, you can just scratch enough. Again, it doesn't take much. If you can get, you know, two, three runs, then you give yourself a puncher's chance. It doesn't feel like, I mean, this needs to be a low-scoring game, though, I think, for Reedy to have a, you know, a snowball's chance of coming out in this mm-hmm. one. Um, and let's see. Uh, yeah, I guess that is um, that is it as far as the uh, the three softball teams that we still have kicking around. Um, you know, still some on the baseball side of things. Got a couple. Uh, you know, we've got Flower Mound. We got McKinney Boyd, and then Lake Dallas and Frisco Lone Star. And we will touch on those four teams in, after a quick word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And we are back. Um, no line change necessary. Still got Justin Thomas, Brian Murphy alongside to talk, I guess, uh, some 6A uh, baseball as we are now bound for the fourth round. Um, we had a few teams that were laid to rest over the weekend that we'll touch on as well. But let's um, discuss a couple that are, uh, that are still kicking among that, uh, among that final 16 in Class 6A. Uh, Justin. Mighty Flower Mound. Jaguars are back. That's right. <laughs> is it the year of Flower Mound? Or what? It is like, the year of the Jaguars, yeah. for sure. Is they, is they outlast. It's really high in those Lone Star Cup standings, that's for sure. They outlasted uh, District Rival um, and just Rival in general. Uh, Hebron and it are... Uh, Back in the uh, back in the fourth round, making uh, making amends for last year, yeah, missing the really playoffs altogether. A, makes you th- realize how strong that district was last yeah. year. If that team's not in the playoffs, because obviously a lot of that talent is showing this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they get an <coughs> awesome game from starter Tyler Talbert on Saturday to finish off Hebron six one. He went five and two thirds, two hits, no runs, six strikeouts. Um, Flower Mound, you know. Blue game one. Um, let's call it what it is. They blew game one. <laughs> they were up four and gave up a five-run seventh inning to, to drop that first game. But they rally back, even it up on Friday, and then jump right out on Hebron on Saturday. Um, this game was supposed to be at four. Ends up getting pushed back to six in Argyle, but uh, didn't slow down Flower Mound. They scored two in the first, two in the second, two in the sixth. They led six-zero until Hebron finally got on the board in the mm-hmm. seventh for the final six-one. But yeah, pretty. Uh, Good game from Flower Mound, so Austin Wallace bounces back on Friday for the Game 2 win, and then Talbert gets it done, Game 3. Seems like every time we're on this podcast and I talk about a pitcher, I turn around and look in the box score, and they have a good hitting game, too, and Talbert did it this time. He had a big double and two RBIs for them, so um, the Jags moving on. I think it's sixth time in the last nine years they've been in the third round, so yeah. It's pretty consistent. (laughs) 
and they get um, up next to Euless Trinity. This series, a lot of it is still uh, to be determined. Right now, all we know for sure is that uh, I guess what game one is going to be Thursday, seven thirty at a Globe Life we Park. We actually got the uh, info on the second and third games. There you it's go. Be Some breaking news. Seven thirty Friday for game two at South Grand Prairie, and then. I think 1 p.m. Saturday for Game 3 also at South Grand Prairie. Saturday 1 p.m. at SGP. I will type that in. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Flyer Mound drawing a Euless Trinity team that I think uh, I think this might be Trinity's deepest ever noon, playoff noon run. Noon on Saturday, noon actually. Noon on Saturday. Um, yeah, not super familiar with Trinity, um, but yeah, it's got to be one of their better runs. Seems like every year Bell or Trinity or somebody's pulling out kind of a season out of nowhere, but... Oh yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Yeah, first time they've been past the uh, the third round um, ever. They're, they'd only been to the third round one time in their history, yeah. at least since uh, 1994. So yes, a, uh, by all accounts, one of the best U.S. Trinity baseball seasons in quite some time. But they do run into a Flyer Mound team that should have a bit more of a, a bit more playoff experience yeah. on its side for sure. More and experience in. Three, three quality starters there. And if they uh, if they are to advance, Flyerman that is, there's a chance that they might draw South Lake Carroll in the regional final. Yes. South Lake Carroll, which, uh, hey, we almost uh, we were almost able to get two of your teams across into the yeah. fourth round. Um, what was your read well, on... The uh, Dragons got the Marauders again. Yes. Um, South Lake taking down Marcus in the third round. Marcus just didn't have it on Friday. And it was, really? It's one of those games where just, like, every little break goes against you that could, you know... A Carroll has a five-run inning, and it, Marcus wasn't like its sharpest in the field, but they weren't exactly like you know horrible errors, mm-hmm. you know tough grounders that they just didn't make the play, you know trying to throw off a runner and the ball goes in the center field. A pass ball leads to another run, so just little, not huge mistakes that went against them. And then you flip around, and Carroll has you know some. I think it was maybe Blake Meeple. Somebody hits a pop pop fly to the second baseman, and he does the whole drop it but then reaches down and catches it as after he drops it so mm-hmm. just everything was going uh south lake's way and so they finished off the sweep six to two and seven one really pretty much in control in both games so did good you year for marcus but did you get to see south lake last year at all i saw him in the, the regional final series against marcus last well, year well, I mean, well, Park. what was your read on them this year just because it is such a different team and yet they're still I mean, yeah, just mowing really, mowing, I mowing teams really over. have a read on them because they graduated something like 20 seniors yeah. or something ridiculous and here they are just rolling again uh, but i knew their two pitchers if as long as they came back from their injuries healthy and mm-hmm. similar pitchers were going to be good and that's definitely the case with uh Sipple and Stever. Meanwhile, um, where I was at last week, and I guess the last uh, the last bit of baseball that I'll be covering this year, um, we had some uh, some history made over in McKinney because McKinney Boyd is bound for the fourth round for the first time in its history, as they as they won a three game series against Allen, a series that went the distance and a very competitive series. Kind of had that expectation going in that these two teams there wasn't a mm-hmm. whole lot separating them in the regular season, and sure enough, that proved the case in the playoffs. Allen was able to get game one of this series, so for the second straight round, McKinney Boyd is down 0-1, you know, in the best of three series against a state-ranked opponent, but that's a resilient bunch in McKinney, man. They're just they they just they find a way. They grind it out, man. The offense is never gonna they're not gonna shatter the record books or anything, but just it was a com- it was a combination of just timely hitting, pitching, and defense. And I think if you ask any coach around the state, just like give me the three keys to victory in any playoff series, you'll probably get some form of those three tenets. And sure enough, yeah, Boyd had all three of them working in their favor. Um, in game three, the uh, you know the do or die game last Friday, it was the timely hitting. You know, you had um just right from the get go of the four runs that they scored against uh, against Allen, three of them came with two outs 
and then you get um, you know you look at the first inning where Allen records a quick you know quick two outs, and then uh, what was it? Uh, Bo Brewer and Chase uh, Chase Peterson draw a couple walks with two outs, and then Simon Reed belts a two-run single, and just like that, Boyd is out and running up to a 2-0 lead, and um, you know they're able to get Allen to go into its bullpen right out of the chute. Um, you know Allen's starter Sean McVitie only makes it two-thirds of an inning, and even though Allen went into that game with the expectation of having to throw four pitchers, with it being game three and all, it still definitely does kind of yeah, throw the game plan you off the. Expect uh, to have one ready in the first inning. Yeah, yeah, off the uh, off kilter a tad bit. Uh, you know, already be digging into your bullpen that early, um, and then you look at just the job that. Um, you know Boyd's pitchers did because this was a I was fascinated to see if this game went the distance because if you look at the regular season series you know Allen won the the game that Allen was able to get in the regular season was a 10-0 run rule just blowout and they did so in ga- in that game where you had uh, you know guys like Chase Peterson and Dawson Goheen pitching for the Broncos and it was expected that if this went to game three in the playoffs that those would be two of the names that they had to call upon I mean it was a very very redemptive showing for those two as they held Allen to just two runs on five hits Granted, both of those uh, runs came on solo homers uh, by Allen's Cole Latos and Zach Hargrove. Man, quite a uh, quite a postseason for Cole Latos in um, in eight playoff games for Allen. He had four home runs. So mm. some nice, nice power wow. numbers for Cole Latos. Really, really heated up late in the year. Um, but outside of that, though, Allen was never really able to threaten much. There was a spot, I think, either the, fir- either the uh, first or the second inning where they were able to, they stranded a couple in a, a couple in scoring position. But outside of that, I mean, Boyd pretty much kind of dictated things and felt that way, you know, in game two as well, even though it was a 2-1 final. Um, and this was where, you know, pitching and defense kind of came into play for the Broncos. Um, Jack Hagan, you know, who's, you know, who didn't pitch, you know, uh, for most of the uh, of the regular season. He was only making his, like, fourth or fifth start of the year. He goes out and throws six and two-thirds, holds Allen to just one run. Just a, a, a beautiful job just keeping Allen's offense in check. And then he gets the, uh, you know, the requisite support on defense. Um, Jack Brinkley, Boyd's left fielder, man. For a guy who didn't have a hit in game two, man, you could argue that was the most impactful player in the entire thing with some of the uh, of the clutch catches that he made. Um, none bigger, though, obviously, than the, uh, than the out that put this game away. So it was two to one, and Allen had the bases loaded with two outs. And then I want to say it was Evan Anderson was up to bat, and then he belts a good, a good hit, puts a good swing on it, gets it into a, kind of the left center gap. And you've got Jack Brinkley, the left fielder, and Tyler Collins, the center fielder, converging. Brinkley dives for it, so it is literally an all-or-nothing sequence. Mm. And he makes that catch to end the game. I mean, if that ball gets by, Allen scores the tying in, go-ahead runs, wow. and possibly wins the series. This was in the top of the seventh. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, just some clutch, clutch defense by Brinkley. He had a you know another diving catch earlier in the game, and then he was able to gun down a runner at home plate on a on a on a base hit with two outs that helped you know spoil a, uh, another prime opportunity for Allen. Allen just had, I mean, they just left too many guys on base. They just did not get the timely hits that you kind of need in a game like that. And yeah, man, I mean, Boyd. It said it's you know it's you look at it's scores of you know two to one, four to two. I mean, it's nothing earth shattering from an offensive standpoint, man. But they're just their pitching and defense is so locked in right now, and they're just they're getting the hits when they matter. And they are um, yeah, they're bound for the fourth round for the first time in program history. Got a tall order coming up though. They draw the Woodlands. Uh, the Woodlands, a state, semi, a state semifinalist from a year ago. They are currently ranked number one in the state by TXHighSchoolBaseball.com. But it's nothing new for Boyd, man. This will be the third straight round. They've gone up against a state-ranked program, and they took down Rockwell Heath after trailing one game, and they took down Allen after doing the same. So confidence has got to be riding high in Boyd right now. And Allen, still a good season on the whole. They set a program record in wins with 29 on the year. 
solid season, great defensive team. But um, yeah, just the margin for it was so slim in District Nine Six A. You had a feeling kind of when you run up against a district opponent, just the familiarity, the familiarity between those two teams. It was just going to come down to those little, just those the margins as far as what was going to make the difference in that series, and that proved to be the case. Brian. What the hell happened to Prosper? Sticking to District 96A? I don't know. <laughs> so how crazy is it that the only team left is standing in 96A isn't Jesuit, it isn't Allen, it's not state-ranked Prosper. It's the third-place team, McKinney Boyd. <laughs> I don't know. That's hey. why they play the games. Yep. Um, we talked last week about you know if Prosper has to go to a three-game series, who is going to be that third starter? Well, <laughs> they had to figure that out against a red-hot Rockwall team. Um, Harpole. Sorry, I don't know his first name. Prosper is real secretive about their rosters and stats and whatnot. But Harpole... That might just be an alias. Maybe so. Maybe so. Because you look at Game Changer and you have to go to the team that they're playing. Rick Carpenter, he's real old school. I don't know if it's an old school thing or if it's just... He doesn't want other teams knowing his stats and what his guys have. (laughs) Even though they're like the top false names without stats. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, Rockwell is still able to get last names on this one at least. Um, But yeah, Harpole, he started game three. He lasted one third of an inning. He gave up two home runs. Mm. This was the Brandon Troxler game uh, for Rockwell. He had a triple. He had, an home, he had a home run. He also went six innings and allowed just one run wow. in game three. Uh, the Wichita State commit, uh, he, he did it. He, and I saw him homer in game one. I was at game one of that series at Wiley. Big series for Troxler. As you know, Barry Rose, former Wakeland head coach, he's now at Rockwall. Fourth time that Rose and Carpenter have squared off against each other in the playoffs. 13, 15, 17, and 19. Carpenter won 13 and 15. Rose got the best of him in 17 when he was at Wakeland, when Wakeland made that state title run, or state, you know, run to the state tournament, I should say. And then Barry Rose gets him again, uh, 19, so. All even. 2-2, and then 2-2, and, uh. So, I mean, but Rockwell looked good. Um, that need, none of these games were close. So, Cosner gets the bump in game one, and Cosner had a very uncharacteristic outing. Gave up seven runs. Uh, he gave up five wow. in the first two innings alone. Uh, and then Carpenter told me after the game, is you know we've been riding Cosner. Cosner, you know he's been you know pitching complete games all year long. Uh, we go as he goes. Uh, and then we all we all know about Caleb Putnam, who's been their ace all year. He gets the job done in game two. Uh, Prosper wins that one eight one. Uh, but then it was eight three eight one eleven one. Just totally just lopsided games back and forth. It's and it really it came down to that number three pitcher um and and rockwall just had their number there and you know carpenter told me you know all season long we have the depth in pitching but not i guess i guess not of the caliber obviously of cosner and putnam and when cosner kind of you know had his worst outing of the season they just never had to use that depth much in the regular season though because cosner and putnam were just the rocks they were going seven innings almost every time and so and it, it i guess finally caught up to him they used they used three pitchers in this game and all of them Got rocked for runs. All of them, you know, got rotten. You know, all of them were earned too. It's not like they were committing errors. And Cameron Harpole, by the way, Cameron Harpole, good. Yeah. Hey, good JT out. been researching over there. <laughs> <laughs> good looking out, JT. But yeah, no. So it's that's what it came down to. And and Rockall's just red hot right now. And I, I I talked to Rose, you know, just kind of chatting with them, catching up with them after the game a little bit. And, and game one, he said, "Man, we're just rolling right now." So look out for Rockall. Yeah. Moving on. Rockwell moving on, as is McKinney Boyd, as is Flower Mound. Um, yeah, and that's a look at at least what's uh, where we're at right now in the 6A portion of the baseball playoffs. Still got some action in 5A to talk about, and we will round out the podcast with a quick line change and pick that up in just a moment. 
And we are back to round out the podcast with a look at some action in 5A baseball. And for this, we have subbed in Taylor Raglan for Justin Thomas to talk about Lake Dallas, talk about Frisco Lone Star, the only two teams that we have left kicking in the 5A playoff bracket. Um, you know, we talk about surprise teams like McKinney Boyd, you know, being the third place team out of 9-6A and they're bound for the fourth round and whatnot. Uh, Lake Dallas pulling a, a, similar, uh, a similar act of heroics over there in the uh, Region 1 5A bracket is Lake Dallas for the first time since... Was it 16 or 17? Yep, 16. 16. They are headed to the fourth round, and I don't know, Taylor, just what do you make it right now, just the run that the Falcons are on, a run that I'm not sure any of us really saw coming heading into the playoffs. Well, yeah, when they lost to Denton the first time, you know, they have their series with Denton, um, you know, in district play uh, toward the end. They lost Denton the first time. It was their fifth loss in a row. Mm-hmm. Then they beat Denton, like 2-1 one, one or whatever it is. One another, I can't remember. A uh, low-scoring game that Smith pitched. And that kind of, like... It broke the seal on the timely hitting for Lake Dallas because they were just lacking, lacking, lacking. Every time I talked to Ryan Howard, he's like, man, we're, all we're missing is the timely hit. That's literally all we're missing. And then, you know, the floodgates kind of opened a little bit, and now, obviously, you know, in the postseason, it's, it's been all about that. They've gotten great outings, especially, you know, going up against uh, Burleson Centennial and Jacob Metter, TCU mm-hmm. commit at TCU in game number one. Um, Howard pulls the right string and, and goes with Cade McCollum instead of Ryan Deberschmidt, who's started mm-hmm. pretty much every series, has been the number one Friday night guy all season long. Um, runs Cade McCollum out there against Metter, basically outduels him. I mean, I don't want to say that Metter was, you know, quote-unquote outdueled because he had 10 strikeouts and, you yeah, know, still pretty gave up a run. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't like a – he's still pitched an absolute gym. But um, Cade McCollum, you know, just the outing of his life, um, you know, kept him off the scoreboard. They won one nothing on – um, as far as I understand, I've, I've seen, I wasn't at game number one. I've seen conflicting re- re- uh, reports on Ryan Deversmith if he hit a triple or if it was misplayed. Mm-hmm. But he gets on third to lead off the first inning, scores. That's it. Like, they could have just stopped the game. <laughs> Everyone could have just it. gone that home. Was, and <laughs> that was it. Um, but yeah, that, that was huge, I think, for them. Um, you know, obviously not a game where the, the bats are just, you know, busting out and, and breaking down mm-hmm. <laughs> everything. But uh, it was huge for them to get better. Um, as far as I know, definitely the first time he's lost in the postseason. Might be the first time he's lost all year, as far as wow. I know. I mean, he's that good. Were you at the Metter game? No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. I was um, what you thought of him. But that win was just, you know, enormous for Lake Dallas and for their confidence. They're so confident at the plate right now. They're getting competitive outings every single time. Ryan Debersmith wasn't perfect in game number two. Um, you know, he had six innings. Gallup near his pitch count was totally fine. Gave up three runs, and then Price cleaned it up in the seven to three win that advanced them, you know, to the regional semis. Um, but their outings have been good enough. Uh, Cade McComb, obviously being the outlier, that was a fantastic outing, and that's what they needed. Okay. You know, that, that's how you're going to beat Metter. You have to beat somebody like that one nothing on just a career day for for whoever you run out there. So. Uh, it's really about the offense. It's about the time we hit. They're feeling really, really good. They're not panicking right now because they got down 2 nothing in game two in the first inning, came back, tied it, and then uh, got down 3-2, I believe it was in the third, came back and scored five. Like, they just they don't panic. They're feeling good, you know, top to bottom. Jonah Webb, the nine hole, um, every time I've seen him lately, has driven in a couple runs, um, you know, made a good play in the field, w- whatever. They're all just feeling really good. They're feeling confident. They're swinging the bat well. And it's weird because their identity pretty much all year long was kind of small ball. Howard likes to bunt. He likes to move guys over. He likes to manufacture runs. But he told me after, um, you know, after that sweep, he's like, I'm just kind of relaxing. It's fun. Like, I, I've, mm-hmm. I'm not pushing the small ball as much. I'm not doing anything because I don't want to mess it up. Like, they're just rolling. They're, they're feeling it. They're hitting I don't want to do anything to – I'm just going to let them have fun and, and keep doing what they're doing. So, 
You know, it's a Lubbock Monterey team that I don't know anything about, obviously, but I've heard that, you know, it's a pretty strong program, perennial contender. I mean, obviously, it's a regional semifinal game, so everybody's going to be good, you know, from here on out. The travel could be a factor. Um, that series will be three games, uh, Friday and Saturday at Abilene Christian. I mean, as close to halfway as you can get between Lubbock and, and Lake Dallas. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a long way. Um, but, you know, Ryan Howard said he's not really concerned about the travel either because he, he flat out said he's like, this is the most competitive team I've ever had. They like to compete more than any other team I've ever coached. They're hungry. They don't care because they've had weather delays this postseason. They've had all sorts of stuff. He's like, when it's time to go and they, and they tell us we're playing, they lace it up and they're ready every single time. So I don't think travel will be a huge issue. I guess I don't know anything about Monterey. But, you know, I expect another good series. And if they can continue to get competitive outings from – you know, there are three arms in Debra Schmidt, McCollum, and, and Ben Price is throwing really well, too. They're guys that are just competitive and like to fill it up. So they keep getting good outings, and they keep <laughs> they keep swinging the bats the way they are, especially with runners in scoring position. Who knows? This series will be uh, Game 1 Friday, 6 p.m. out of Abilene Christian. Game 2 will be 11 a.m. Saturday, also at Abilene Christian, with Game 3, if necessary, to follow. Um, Brian, Frisco Lone Star, man. Dude, that was one Heck of a series! <laughs> yeah, it was. I was at game yeah, two. Both of y'all chime in. Yeah, first goal, Taylor, Lone Star, which gets the uh, gets the better of uh, of Lovejoy. In a after going that, down one nothing. Yeah, the series that went the distance and had some. Uh, it's sure drama. So um, yes, first goal, Lone Star bound for the fourth round. Have they ever been this deep before? Nope, nope. nope. So some more history they being made out in first the, the third round. No, the second round was it. And last year they lost in the first round. So that's that's what Lake Dallas and Frisco Lone Star lost in the first round last year. And you see just. Yeah, just sometimes it's I don't know. It's it's weird how that how that can work out sometimes. It's and funny because no Lone Star's been very consistent the last three years. Mm-hmm. They've had very good pitching. You know, they've been riding Dylan DeLeon and Ryan Bogus, you know, since they were freshmen. Well, DeLeon's a junior, Bogus mm-hmm. is a senior. They've been on that varsity the last three years. They've been big mm-hmm. big time guys. But everyone just talks about Wakeland for obvious reasons. But you, when you think about that that district, you know, and Reedy you know, they made a, a little little noise last year beating Lake Dallas in the first mm-hmm. round. So, you know, it's just Reedy, Wakeland, you know, sprinkling a little heritage and independence and whoever. And then Lone Star was just kind of flying under the radar. You know, they they were just breezing through everyone going into the playoffs as well. And here they are, you know, in the postseason. And, you know, you mentioned how they were down in, mm-hmm. in game three. Game two, they were up 3 nothing mm-hmm. the entire game. They were up. Uh, no, they were up in game three, too. Lovejoy had to come back in the seventh inning in game three. It was just a bunch of comebacks, and Lovejoy tied it up in the sixth in game two. Lone, yep. Lone Star was up 3 nothing from about the third inning on, and then Lovejoy had this big inning, uh, and they got to Ryan Bogus. Ryan Bogus, not many teams uh, get to get to Bogus at all this year. He, you know, he was coming off two complete games, uh, two no-hitters of, uh, for the cycle, hit for the cycle yep. in one of the games. Like, this dude has just been playing out of his mind, and you think, well, we got three runs on this guy. Like, in any other game, it's like, ah, oh, we only got three runs, and we lost. But like that's still something to hang your hat on to get three runs on on a guy like Bogus. And I heard some parents talking about after the game because they lost a heartbreaker. And I was walking out, like, man, y'all, y'all hit their ace. Mm-hmm. And usually when you say that, you're like, oh, you explode for like eight runs, like you know Rockwell did against Cosner yeah. the other night. But no, three runs against Bogus. Uh, Bogus probably the best pitcher I've seen right there with with Metter from Burleson Centennial all year. But man, just a heck of a series. You know, Owen Peck. 
I thought was the best player, honestly, for Lone Star in that game too. I'm not, you know, what you thought of him if he made that much of an impact in Game Three. Game Three, I felt more was about because in Game Three, Lone Star got up. Um, well, Lovejoy got up one nothing, if I remember right. Lone Star hangs a five spot in the bottom of the first to be up five one. At one point, they were up five two. They were up seven three, entering the top of the seventh, and that's when Lovejoy exploded for four runs, made it seven seven. And I, I, for me, it was more about uh, Graham Williams on the mound. Um, I think that I couldn't tell you the last time he started a game either. I mean, he he, no. he was kind of you know when I talk about like Dallas's pitchers, he's a guy that was a competitor. He was filling it up. You know, he was making the most of his pitches. He was pitching in contact. Sometimes that's all you need. You know, and it worked out. He went I think five full, um, and then um, Ward is his last name. Ryan Ward. I Ryan believe. Ward. Yeah, he's come back from injury. Uh, Joey Frankie said pretty recently he had a pretty good outing, and then they brought in Austin Eaton, um, who. Gave up the the uh, the craziness in the seventh, mm-hmm. a lot of it, but then shut him down in the eighth. Uh, I honestly, when I look at this series, it was I don't ever like to use the word coin flip, but honestly, I mean, Lone Star had the benefit of being home in games two and three by coin flip, I guess, in game three. And that turned out to be the difference because Lovejoy was hanging around the entire time, tied it up in both games. Lone Star, you know, hangs in there and gets the walk off on both nights. So. You know, it's it, it, having covered Lovejoy and, and seen Lovejoy, that is a really, really talented baseball team, especially on the offensive side. But even on, I mean, Jordan Yoder's a freak on the mound. They had three good starters. You know, they had Terwilger going into game three. I'm sure they had to feel pretty good about that. But Now, why don't you go with Terwilger in game two? Luke Stein was nice. I like just watching him pitch. I was like, man, this guy is a solid number two. He could be an ace on some teams. He was he was throwing it, and then he he gave up those those three runs early, and then he kind of shut it down the rest of the way. Well, he was he was switched into the number two role in the postseason uh-huh. because Terwilliger Terwilliger's a really good arm, but he's a better shortstop. They wanted Terwilliger playing shortstop, trying to shut down series early, but. I mean, if you ask head coach Jason Wilson, I'm sure he'd tell you that's what they wanted, too. I mean, you go into game three, you still have him. I mean, I'm sure he was he was happy with that. He was like, this is all according to plan. I mean, Yoder got his win. Stein threw a good game. It just didn't work out. Now we still got Terwilliger. We're fine. But, yeah. you know, he got touched up for, for five runs in the first and turned out not to matter. But, you know, See, like I said, it is. A just, lot of times in this playoff, you know, Lone Star's been, you know, relying on De Leon and Bogus. But it was just about guys stepping up. For Lone Star, like I mentioned, Peck, Owen Peck, a freshman, he got on base on an infield hit late in that game to set up the win. He slid into first base head first. You know, he, he he would just find ways to get on base. He would go from first to third on routine plays, you know, scoring the game-winning run. Guys like Ryan Ward coming in, you know, on, out of the pen, pitching three innings when the game went to extra innings uh, in game two. Well, and it's about how they won, too. I mean, it's they won. Gutsy, and, man. Well, in yeah. my game, they won. De Leon put a little just number up the line at first. De Fiore fields it, gets lost in translation, and then Williams, who led off the inning with a double, just comes around to score on a crazy, yeah. crazy play. That I mean, that's all it took. So, like I said, I mean... Game two was one on a sack fly to center. That, <laughs> like, was, it was, just, that it was, was one of those series where it... You know, it was a toss-up. They're yeah. both really, really good baseball programs. Honestly, I mean, I'm going to have some Frisco haters. I think Lovejoy may have been the more quote-unquote talented team, just top to bottom. But Bogus is a freak. De Leon's been great on the mound. Everybody they threw in, in uh, Game 3 was great. They did what they needed to do. They got the hits. when it, that's. I mean, that's what it's about. You get the hits when you need to. You have the timely hit. You get good outings. That's why you play the game. That's why I, you took the words right out of my mouth. That series, uh, Frisco Lone Star going up against Corsican in the fourth round. That series kicks off Wednesday, 5 p.m. out at Dallas Baptist. Uh, game two will also be at Dallas Baptist, Thursday, 5 p.m. And then, if necessary, 
Saturday for Game 3, 11 a.m., also at DBU. Nice facility for some playoff baseball. Um, and yeah, and that will wrap it for uh, this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday to begin our uh, school year in review series, looking back at the year that was for a few of our markets. In the meantime, folks, you keep enjoying your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.